Hey guys, welcome to Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. I'm Dr. John Berardi, co-founder of Precision Nutrition, and if you're not familiar with us, over the last 15 years, we've become the world's largest online nutrition, fitness, and health coaching company. Through that time, as you can imagine, we've watched fad diets and fitness crazes come and go. But when the fads have failed and the crazes died out and people just want something that works, they turn to Precision Nutrition for things like expert coaching, guided mentorship, and online support. In this podcast, which is a mix of recorded articles, interviews, and roundtable discussions, myself and my Precision Nutrition colleagues will help make the whole nutrition, fitness, and health process work for you. Ideally, you'll discover that eating, moving, and living well can be easy and enjoyable for now and into the future. So let's get started. Hi, this is Bryce from Precision Nutrition, and today I'm reading the article, Five Significant Reasons to Lose Weight. Why isn't the media covering these? Forget heart attacks and skinny jeans. This is why weight loss is important. By James Heathers, PhD. Avoiding heart disease and looking fab aren't always great reasons to lose weight. However, here are five immediate and significant ways your life can change when you trim the fat. Here's what James has to tell us. I'd like you to join me in a thought experiment. I promise there's a point to it. In fact, we'll soon talk about why the most popular reasons for losing weight are either uninspiring or scientifically worthless. But for now, let's begin by setting our feelings, insecurities, assumptions, stories, and beliefs about body fat aside. Now, you might feel confused or defensive or saying, yes, but dot, dot, dot. Just please bear with me just for a few minutes. All right, let's get to it. Forget for a moment about looking good. Forget about thin privilege. Forget about that so-called fat privilege. Forget about personal rights or civic obligations. Forget about those abs and guns and lats and whatever other laundry list of nonsense is now used to describe various body parts. And while you're at it, forget about whatever other wretchedness the internet has spawned this week. Thigh gap, duck lips, bikini bridge, manscaping. So yeah, forget about body image. And forget, for a moment, about disease. Forget about all the big-name medical scares, including atherosclerosis, arterial plaque, cardiac arrest, pulmonary hypertension, stroke, all the cancers, diabetes, and metabolic syndrome. And forget about what some randomly chosen biomarker says. My glucose tolerance is good. I'm healthy and fat. My triglycerides are low. I'm healthy and lean. My cholesterol is excellent. I'm healthy and jacked. Yeah, for a moment. Let all of that go, and more on why in a second. And most of all, forget about health at any size. Yes, obese people do have the right to be treated with dignity. Absolutely and certainly. And yes, obese people should be supported in efforts to become more healthy outside of weight loss. As we all know, health isn't a direct function of your weight. However, the health at any size movement goes one step too far in suggesting that obesity is harmless, that it's not bad for you, that having excess body fat is of no more consequence than wearing a red sweater or driving a Nissan Sentra. This is simply not true. It contradicts most of the available evidence. So, for now, forget A, looking good, B, disease, and C, health at any size. Each of these obscures the real, significant reasons people should consider losing weight. For example, the mainstream conversation about fatness and health focuses on medical conditions that can kill or disable us. 
While these make for great headlines, this angle isn't very compelling. Why not? Well, imagine that eating bacon causes a 10% increase in some horrible cancer-type disease. Scary, right? Not when you realize that your chance of dying from that horrible cancer-type thing without bacon is only 1 in 100,000, or 0.00001%, and that a 10% increase from eating bacon means your chance rises to 1.1 in 100,000, or 0.000011%. Meh. Since we're all going to die anyway, medical scare tactics simply don't come off as scary, especially when you know what the data really mean. Nor do they motivate change. The fitness industry, of course, takes another approach. In fitness, it's all about looking great in a certain type of clothing, or on the beach, or at your high school reunion. And while that can seem inspiring for a minute, it's not proven to be a sustainable way to achieve long-term weight loss and maintenance. So here are five good reasons for losing weight. In the end, the most popular incentives, scary disease statistics and fitness industry vanity trips, aren't very effective, useful, or scientifically valid ways to promote weight loss. And that's a huge missed opportunity, because there are much better reasons to lose weight. More pressing, more evidence-based, more quality-of-life-focused reasons. And sadly, they're not often talked about in the public debate. Notice that I said public debate. Scientists and doctors talk about them all the time. They're well-established in research. They just haven't made it to the public yet. So, let's talk about them now. Beginning with reason number five, your knees and elbows will thank you. Osteoarthritis is a degenerative joint disease in which we lose cartilage and gradually destroy the bones of our joints. Imagine two rocks grinding together, and you get the idea of how fun that is. In my experience, healthy people don't think much about osteoarthritis because it's common. Aging makes it more likely. Everyone's grandma has a twinge of arthritis, so we think it's normal. This hides the degree to which it can be very unpleasant and debilitating. Like most chronic illnesses, osteoarthritis is a vicious cycle. Your joints hurt, so you move less. Moving less means your joints don't get loaded. Less joint loading means muscle weakness. Muscle weakness means force doesn't get cushioned correctly. Less cushion means the condition worsens. More osteoarthritis means more pain. And onwards, we circle the drain. And the point? Obesity makes it much more likely that you'll get osteoarthritis. In one study comparing the heaviest patients to the lightest, the chance of being diagnosed with osteoarthritis in one knee was more than six times in the heavy group. For both knees, it was almost 18 times. Naturally, other studies over the last 20 years have investigated the same relationship. Some estimates are higher, some are lower, but the association between body fat and osteoarthritis has been replicated several times. The reason this happens is complicated. It isn't just that heavier people put more weight on their joints, and those joints then degrade over time. It's also that there seems to be a relationship between the presence of excess fat tissue and inflammation. Thus, osteoarthritis probably comes from a combination of excess joint loading plus the inflammatory chemical and hormonal environment that having too much body fat creates. So here's the bottom line. One important reason to lose weight is to reduce joint pain and improve your movement. These are things you can benefit from almost immediately. Alright, let's talk about reason number four. You'll get a good night's sleep. Think of what happens when a rock slide blocks a tunnel. That's sleep apnea. The upper airway collapses while you sleep, cutting off that oxygen tunnel. 
And just so you know, sleep apnea is more than a little snoring. Sleep apnea means you stop breathing over and over and over as you sleep, which logically is bad. And of course, more body fat means more potential for sleep apnea. This comes from a few combined factors. Fat in your airway narrows the space available. This makes your airway more prone to collapsing. Fat in your upper body puts weight on your lungs and reduces the space available to them. You need more oxygen, but you can't get it as well. And fat, a hormone-producing organ, changes your hormonal signals. This rewires your respiratory systems. While around 25% of adults have sleep apnea, 50% of obese adults have it. Even more scary, if you have mild sleep apnea and you put on weight, the chances of you graduating to moderate or severe sleep apnea are as follows. A 5% weight gain equals a 250% increase in severe sleep apnea. A 10% weight gain, 650% increase in severe sleep apnea. And a 20% weight gain equals an incredible 3,700% increase in severe sleep apnea. And it's scariest for children. 46% of obese children have sleep apnea, while the typical incidence in children is approximately 3%. So why is sleep apnea bad? Well, sleep is a major regulator of our metabolism. If our sleep is bad, so is our metabolic health. This means things like elevated inflammation, rapid cell aging and oxidation, and hormonal disruption. And yes, higher risk for all kinds of nasty chronic diseases in the long term. So the bottom line? Another important reason to lose weight is so that you can sleep better. And not only does this help regulate metabolism, hormone systems, and more, it helps you feel, think, and live better right away. Okay, here's reason number three. You'll actually start to taste your food. This may sound weird, but it seems that people who struggle with their weight don't taste food as well. Wait, what? People who often eat more food can't taste as well? Exactly. Why? Well, we're not sure. We don't know yet whether excess body fat changes your taste, or whether your taste change your appetite and cause weight gain. We also don't know whether this is an issue of wanting taste, i.e. seeking and craving the reward of taste, or liking taste, actually enjoying taste, or chemical signaling, how taste is created in the mouth and interpreted by the brain. But here's what we do know. People vary in how well and sensitively they can perceive different flavors and textures such as fattiness or sweetness. One hypothesis is that if we can't taste as well, we eat more food to compensate. On the flip side, people with high BMIs seem to avoid bitter foods more and have a stronger disgust response. As it happens, many vegetables are bitter or astringent. Think of kale, Brussels sprouts, green peppers, and so forth. So there seems to be a relationship between excess body fat, wanting and liking fat and sweet foods and pleasant tastes, eating fat and sweet foods, and avoiding unpleasant tastes. And how might this happen? Animal models are handy here, since we can control their food intake, and they don't seem to care much about food advertising. So, in animal models, overfeeding obesity-prone mice changes how their taste cells function. Rats with obesity-related changes in fat or sugar reward can at least somewhat reverse those changes with weight loss. And rats given weight loss surgery, yes, that's a real thing, appear to go back to their normal liking and wanting behavior. Put simply, what this could mean is that many people with excess body fat also have altered flavor perception. The flavor perception could predate gaining fat, or the flavor perception 
could be caused by gaining fat, or both. The only observation I'll add is that the foods we consider to be the most responsible for obesity just happen to pander directly to this dysfunction by having aggressively oversweet, oversalty, overfatty, and so forth flavor profiles. We eat and eat and eat them, but they never seem to satisfy. It's a Sisyphean irony. The good news is that in both humans and rats, tastes are changeable. This means that losing fat, getting fit, and consistently building healthy habits can actually change how we perceive flavors, in a good way. Yeah, that's right. One day, you might just find you like Brussels sprouts after all. More importantly, when you truly enjoy food, you eat less, but you feel much more satisfied. The bottom line? Obese people have altered taste perceptions, leading to eating more and eating more of the wrong foods. By losing weight, you'll end up craving less high-sugar and high-fat food. You might even enjoy an extra veggie or two. Okay, let's move on to reason number two. Your immune system will work properly again. We tend to think of body fat like an ATM, a place where we deposit or withdraw energy. And it isn't. In fact, fat is an active endocrine organ. This means it secretes hormones and cytokines, cell signaling molecules. Hormones and cytokines have effects throughout the body. They talk to one another chemically. Like all things, balance is important. If we have a healthy amount of fat, our hormones and cell signals work properly. If we have too much, things go wrong. For example, with too much body fat, our immune systems get off kilter. There's a huge, scary pile of evidence here, so let's keep it simple. Increased BMI and more body fat is associated with greater risk for several kinds of bacterial infections, including gum infections, nose and sinus infections, stomach infections, and herpes, thankfully the mouth kind. And the reasons why? Too much adipose tissue, or fat tissue, can release large amounts of immune chemicals. Over time, this chronic high exposure can interfere with the body's ability to spot and stop actual outside infections. So the bottom line? Losing body fat can mean a healthier, more responsive, more robust immune system. And that means less colds, fewer infections, and a healthier daily life. Okay, let's get to our final one, reason number one. You'll survive surgery and childbirth, and that's good. Here's why. People with a lot of body fat are harder to intubate, have a higher risk of incisional hernia post-laparoscopy, i.e. popping open again, have a longer operation time, have a higher risk of catheter site infection, and have a higher rate of serious post-operative complications. Surgery is a risky business for people who are obese. This is a double whammy because people who struggle with obesity also struggle with more health issues that may require surgery. So obese people may need surgery, but not be able to get it or not recover as well when they do. Pregnancy is a good example of this. Among women who are significantly obese, about 50% of them must undergo cesarean sections, compared to about only 20% of the general population. Even if they give birth vaginally, obese women may have to have a lot more instruments and medical procedures involved. After surgery, mothers with obesity may end up with more surgical site infections. This is aside from other pregnancy complications, which also go up significantly as body fat increases. So the bottom line, every surgery patient wants a safe and speedy recovery, and every mother wants a safe birth and a thriving, bouncing baby. Having a healthy range of body fat makes those happy outcomes much more likely. So with all this said, what to do next? 
Well, here are some tips from us at Precision Nutrition. Let's forget about all the shoulds, as in, you should lose weight because blah blah terrible thing will happen. Let's instead focus on how awesome life can get when your body is as functional, mobile, and metabolically healthy as it can possibly be. So number one, go toward the good. We've noticed a trend in the stories of people who lost a great deal of weight. They focus on the small blessings and achievements of everyday life. For example, some things we've heard. I can live in a walk-up apartment now. I can run around with my kids. I don't get tired through the day. Food tastes better. I can't explain how. My random aches and pains stopped. I can carry my two-year-old without wheezing. I have so much more energy. I bounce back from illness straight away now. And if you ask me, they always sound so satisfied. All right, tip number two, seek incremental change. Thigh gap and healthy at any size are the two extremes of one problem, an all-or-nothing approach to health and body weight. Real lasting changes in diet and lifestyle require a different approach. Precision nutrition coaching clients who achieve the most success come to realize that incremental change serves them best and, to their surprise, produces immediate improvements in quality of life. Okay, here's tip number three. Focus on the tangible benefits. Losing weight, after all, isn't magical. Your life is still your life, regardless. Yet with a healthy amount of body fat, your life often becomes a little bit easier and better. You're a little more functional and mobile, a little more able. So if we talk about fat, let's not tell people, or even ourselves, how to feel or how to cheat death. Keep the focus on positive changes you could see in your life in just a few weeks' time. For example, knees that work, colds that go away, a good night's sleep, food that tastes nice, a straightforward recovery after surgery. Now, of course, if you want some help with all of this, our Precision Nutrition Coaching Program helps men and women eat, move, and live better in a way that works within the context of their actual lives. If you're interested in that, we'd be happy to help you too. You can learn more by visiting us online at precisionnutrition.com. This has been Bryce from Precision Nutrition, reading today's article, Five Significant Reasons to Lose Weight. Why isn't the media covering these? Forget heart attacks and skinny jeans. This is why weight loss is important. By James Heathers, PhD. You can read the article online yourself at precisionnutrition.com forward slash reasons dash two dash lose dash weight. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Okay, everyone, that's it for this week's edition of Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. For more information about how to eat, move, and live better yourself, and for some awesome free nutrition and health resources, come visit us on the web at www.precisionnutrition.com. You could also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at InsidePN. Talk to you next time.